Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me is a man who is as German as Bratwurst and tight leather shorts. It's Lewis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll take that. That's right, guys. We've got a nice little host of topics, starting off with the North London Derby. And, you know, we finally see a little bit more of what some people think Mikel Arteta has in store for Arsenal. Then we also have a small little look at Leicester for the moment. They've done some work in their top four battles. Then we move over to Germany, where we have to have a look at the further down spiraling run of Gladbach and how Marco Rosa seems to have completely checked out. We keep saying this week in, week out, but he just keeps giving us more opportunity to talk about it and then we also have to look at Schaika, another disappointing performance. And we also ha- go up to the top of the table where we have a top four clash. Very interesting stuff. Good match to talk about. And we'll have a look at what it does to the top four and the title race. And we'll round it out with a little bit of babbling about Robert Lewandowski and the records he keeps on breaking. But without further ado, let's go right into the North London Derby. And it finally was a Derby, wasn't it? It was a proper game of football. Yeah. We, we've, we've missed this. We've missed this, especially with both of those two teams. It's not been a vintage See, I mean, Arsenal are still 10th. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you said it to me. They're doing more than Spurs, which is something you didn't think you'd ever be saying. Oh, hell no. There was, there were moments in the first half where I was thinking, is, is this what it was like to watch Arsenal back in the day? <laughs> there were like little glimpses of it. You know, it obviously not footballing wise, but it was the domination that Arsenal really was, was showing. And Tottenham didn't seem to have any idea as to how to deal with this forward attacking Arsenal. There's just nothing, no ideas. Well, I've got, if you'll allow me to be uh, personal for a sec, because this, I will allow it. this Tottenham team reminds me so much of United under Mourinho. So it's incredibly dull to watch. But there's, there's loads of individually talented players. Yeah. But I think tactically it's quite regressive and really boring. You know, the, Pochettino was sacked for arguably not as bad as this. That's a big shout, you know. You know, a, a, what was it? A 4-0 win in the Europa League on Thursday. There's only so long that that will... Oh, 2-0 win. Where did I get four from? <laughs> but there's only so long that that will suppress people's anger. Yeah, we said it a couple episodes ago. It seems to be that Mourinho cycle, except Mourinho hasn't lasted the full three seasons yet. No, I think it's uh, it's gotten that bad. He started, he's just hacked a season off the end of it. 
Yeah, but it, but just like you said, you know, the, the press conferences are getting wilder. He seems to be more and more, you know, in his own head and with his own thoughts on the touchline. He's not as vocal and aggressive. And the play just keeps getting worse. And he keeps now it's not gonna be long before we see another I think we see another press conference where he just starts going, respect, respect, man. But let can we talk about Eric Lamella? Because I think we slightly disagree on this. Okay, here's the thing, right? I know you say he's an he's an average player. Bang average. And bang average. I'm not gonna disagree with that, but what he when he was subbed on for Hoi Son in the first half, he did breathe life into that match. He brought fire that, you know, the fire that Tottenham were missing in that derby. All of a sudden, you know, he was, he was, he was being aggressive in tackles, you know, given obviously that later on didn't play out so well for him, but he was, but in the first half, I think Lamella was a breath of fresh air into a struggling Tottenham side who just didn't know how to cope with the pressure of Arsenal. And to top it all off, he scored probably the best goal he'll ever he'll ever score in his career with a Rabona through the through the legs into the far corner. See, that's again. I think in terms of who he scored it against, it is better than the previous Rabona goal he scored because of the circumstances surrounding it. So I'll give you that probably the best goal he's ever scored. And you were like, oh, well, he's going to go down in history. It's going to go down in history. I, The only time people were ever going to talk about that goal in the future or in years to come is when it's on like Premier League years or, you know, the best goals from Arsenal versus Tottenham on Sky Sports. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. He can be as bad as a player as he as he is or as he can still turn out to be i don't know but he can he can fade into irrelevance but that goal will still be in notched in people's minds yes it's only going to be you know every now and then on as you said sky sports best goals from arsenal versus tottenham but that being said i still think he's notched a place in history not a place in history in the sense of you know ronaldo and messi in the, in in history but it's a place in history and it's a goal. It's going to be one of the most re- memorable goals from a North London derby. That was what I was. That was the point I was trying to make. I think mean, whatever favor he, he did curry with the Spurs fans after that, he completely threw it away. Yeah, uh, getting smack your... Kieran Tierney in the face. It, it's some. It takes something special to get booked in the 69th minute and then sent off for your second booking in the 76th minute. That's a solid, solid bit of work there in uh, seven minutes. I'm glad he got sent off. A little bit of residual anger there. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Should have been sent off against United, but... We'll ignore that. He's such a horrible, nitty little player. And it, Martin Tyler and Alan, and Alan Smith on the commentary were like, oh, well, he's just fired up for a derby. He's like, well, he's not because he's kicking people, trying to get a reaction out of them. Well, I'm sorry, but isn't that what a derby kind of entails? No, because he does it every week. But you wouldn't disagree with me in the sense that he did breathe life into that game and he put a little bit of fire into that game. Yeah. And then Tottenham... Okay, so what's the the problem? And then Tottenham (laughs) died off and arguably he put more fire in them again when he got sent off. Uh, I don't know. Agree to disagree on this one? 
<laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to fight you more on the penalty incident, though. Okay, before we touch on the penalty incident really quickly, because it ties in so well with Arsenal's dominance, Darty was, oh my God, the first half, easily the worst performance I've ever seen from a right back. He didn't stand a chance. It didn't help that Gareth Bale doesn't track back. That was going to be my next point. Yeah, obviously it didn't help that Gareth Bale, he's he's like, he takes Leroy Sané's backtracking methods and then, you know, injects steroids into them because he really just doesn't want to be there. Like he, he just doesn't want to go backwards. Gareth Bale's work rate only begins from the attacking half onwards. Now, the minute it goes back into his own half, he's useless. He was pretty useless today anyway, to be honest. Yeah, true. Either way, going forward or back. But I mean, Matt Doherty just didn't know what the hell he was doing. I mean, the first half performance, it was abysmal. Arsenal, Arsenal's whole attacking lineup had his number all day, every day. I think that's partly to do with because at Wolves, he was playing as part of like a back five, back three type thing. He was a wing back. So he yeah. had the extra coverage. Yeah, but, but still, Emil Smith-Rowe Smith was making him look like a schoolboy. And the kid's 20 for crying out loud. But I don't remember Matt Doherty at all. He was, yeah, he was just nowhere near what Tottenham should be putting up on that right back side. Well, it's a shame that Serge Aurier is a left back and not a right back. He probably would have put in miles better performance, and he's not even that special. No, uh, Serge Aurier is a right back as well. What? He's just not Mourinho's favorite because he's absolutely dire. Arguably worse than Matt Doherty. Uh, is he though? Is he? But they're both terrible. Let's discuss the penalty. Okay. You offer up your view, I'll offer up mine, and we'll compare notes, yeah? Okay, well, my view... Okay, yeah, Lacazette completely spoons the shot and slices it. But regardless of that, it's reckless from Davinson Sanchez. So whether there was minimal contact or not, the fact he's dived in the way he did, it's reckless, and I think that warrants a penalty. Okay, put it this way. I can understand completely why the penalty has been given. That I won't argue. But I would argue it's not a clear-cut penalty. Like, I wouldn't say any day of the week that is a penalty. Because of the way Lacazette... Like, if if Lacazette had hit the ball and then Sanchez follows through and on the follow-through they completely collide, then I'd say yes, completely. But the fact that Lacazette just completely... Gifts the ball and it just spoons it wide. I don't know how, like he completely just misses it. It's almost to the point where he more makes the contact with Sanchez, but Sanchez, as you said, flies in recklessly. So I can see why it's been given and I agree that it is a penalty, but I'm saying it's not a clear cut penalty all day, every day. I mean, Freddie Jumberg is with you on that one because he said on he said on Sky on Sky afterwards, like I think Arsenal were probably very lucky to get a penalty there. It's like mm, 
Not really, because I think if you dive in like that, you don't really give the referee much of a choice. Had it been like a normal contact, yeah, like normal contact, but the fact he's gone in absolutely steaming both feet off the ground, I think. Yeah, okay, fair. But, you know, it wasn't only another former striker who said that because uh, do you remember a small Swiss striker by the name of Naden Petrich? Let's say for a second, uh, pretend that I do remember who that is. Well, he was a former Dortmund striker and Hamburg striker. Anyways, he's got a little bit of a professional footballing experience and he was a co-commentator on Sky Sports Germany. He said as well, he was he was not sure if that was a penalty because of the fact that uh, Lacazette skiffs the ball. And I'm inclined to agree with him, but he did also say that if he goes in that rashly, Devinson Sanchez, you can't complain about that penalty being given. No, I don't think I don't think he can. I don't think anyone can complain about that penalty being given. The fact that Mourinho immediately goes, no, 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 is just I mean, to be fair, I don't really think he saw it because he was sat down. So as a, as a manager, you're not going to hold your hand up and go, oh, yeah, go on, give us one. No, nah, but as a manager, you could at least go. <laughs> I do that when the, when the Mela got sent off. You could just see That's my the, point. Whatever life was left in that man just drain out. It's just a husk on the touchline. Trust. Before I mean, we move on. Okay, just, just one last point. Arsenal did deserve to win that. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to have that out there. Oh, God, no, Tottenham were awful. Arsenal nearly ah. pressed the self-destruct button a couple times, but luckily oh, Harry Jesus Kane was Christ. offside and he hit the post. Little bit, Little comment to that. Harry Kane, does he need to get the hell out of Tottenham? Yes or yes. no? Yes. <laughs> He's approaching the point where he's almost out of the prime of his career, if that makes sense, age-wise. He's got a couple more years left at that level, and then he'll start tapering off. Yeah, he's the best striker in the Premier League by a comfortable distance, I think. And, you know, even Alan Shearer won a Premier League with, with Blackburn. He'll never go down as the best Premier League striker in history if he doesn't win at least one title. No, well, that goes back to my argument of why Kane and Son won't be the best Premier League duo, like the best strike partnership. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's all right scoring, you know, three goals apiece against Crystal Palace away or something stupid. But, you know, York and Cole, Drogba and Lampard, Henri and Burkamp all won, you know, the big prize. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think Harry Kane is going to be long for Tottenham's world if he if they keep putting in performances like that, especially if they may if they miss out on Champions League. I could see Harry Kane seriously considering and uh, considering some offers to leave this summer. But where though? That's the problem. City. If they don't get Haaland, maybe. Especially with Sergio Aguero eight becoming, you know, more of an aging striker than anything. Well, on the subject of strikers. Oh. Seamless. Let's <laughs> I want your view on Aubameyang because something similar went down when he was at Dortmund. 
Well, I mean, at the at the time when he was at Dortmund, his disciplinary actions were uh, his disciplinary actions were they were down to him wanting to strike his way out of Dortmund and to the Premier League. I don't know what he's going to be trying to achieve with this because coming too late to the team meeting on Derby Day has got to be one of the stupidest things to get benched for. You should be so fired up for this Derby that you are getting there 10, 15 minutes early for this team meeting. Meeting, And, you know, I don't know. You should have the adrenaline rush that you're doing push-ups and sit-ups just because you need something to do with yourself. Like, that should be every player in those dressing rooms on Derby Day. But this guy, he's strolling up and coming too late to the team meeting. I mean, he got what he deserved. I think that's definitely... You know, he's club captain, and I can't understand why. But then again, there's no actual... Like, Kieran Tierney's probably the most natural leader in that side because he was Celtic captain for a time and Scotland captain for a bit. But to have someone who is so nonchalant on a, you know, one of the biggest games of Arsenal season, I don't know, it beggars belief. Pogba had the captaincy taken off him for less yeah, I'm sorry. That man does not deserve to be captain whatsoever. Like, take the captaincy off of Bamiyang, please. That's also one of the problems Arsenal have. They don't have any ready-made leaders in that team. Everyone's kind of like, eh, should I be having the responsibility now? I kind of don't want it. So let's just let's scoop say La- that on over. Lacazette had it today, and I can't understand why. See, that's the problem. When you when you are searching for a, for a team for a player in a team to be captaincy and no one springs to mind, then you know you've got a big problem. Like, look at all the teams that are at the top. All those teams have more than one player who you could definitely name as being a good captain. Yeah. I don't know. You know, for as as bad as Arsenal have been, Today, Tottenham were a lot worse. So Arsenal deserved it. Yeah, yeah. So should we lightly touch on Leicester before we move to... Yes, please. German football. Yes, please. Sheffield United down, let's be honest. They're more or less the Schalke of the Premier League this season. Pretty accurate. You know, they got rid of Chris Wilder stupidly. I mean, yeah, it's not going well this season, but come on, the man was... Been there since 2016. Got them up from League One. Yeah, yeah. Imagine and... being Ethan Ampadu, by the way. <laughs> oh, mate. You just... It's just horrendous, isn't it? <laughs> you, he was on loan to, to RB Leipzig, and now he's getting relegated with Sheffield United, and he's got no perspective of returning to Chelsea and making it into that first team. I mean... Talk about a career move gone wrong. Because he cut his dreadlocks off. Yeah, it was a magic dreadlocks. I'm telling you, he's like Samson, his strength is in his hair. <laughs> I, the thing is, apart from Ian Acho's first goal before halftime. Yeah. They all came within a 20-minute window. They really did. And Ian Acho's third goal, I mean, they, they, they just let him walk that in. 
I mean, props for getting the hat trick, mate. Yeah, but you know, like like we've said just previously, this is the Schalke of the Premier League. I mean, they are a team that have just. I I think a lot of that a lot of that team has accepted that this season is done for, and you know, there's no point in even trying. Which sad is it? It is sad. It sounds sad, but at this point, that performance doesn't really leave any you know, other interpretation because, you know, the last kind of flicker of hope was that win against United. And after that, it's just been, that's it. That's it, boys. We're done. Yeah, I think I can't comment because I don't support a team like Sheffield United. You know, I don't support a team like a yo-yo team. But if you're, I don't know, arguably, would you not, Okay, here's the situation. If you were Sheffield United or if you were... Yeah, if you were Sheffield United, would you trade that win away at Old Trafford for some more wins against the teams in and around you? Because it's those teams that they've been losing to. Well, obviously. I mean, they've lost to everyone this year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of obviously, but it's... it's, I think that that's a... That's obviously the the question you'd ask. And I think any player on that team and every fan of Sheffield United would 100% tell you, yes. Like, you know, that, that win at Old Trafford might have been a little bit of a morale booster. But more than that, you know, at this point, morale doesn't, doesn't keep you in the Premier League. Points do. And the points they've dropped against teams arguably even worse than they are. That's, that's just been the nail in the coffin, really. Well, there you go. You know, Leicester are up to second. For the time being, yes. For the time, hopefully for the time being. But, <laughs> a little bit of bias going through there, Bill. Huh? <laughs> five minutes to kick off. I'm trying, but I really can't help it. <laughs> but we've spoken about the Schalke of the Premier League. Shall we talk the actual Schalke? Well, it seems kind of fitting because they also got decked 5-0. Oh my god, yeah. Oh wow, that's quite poetic in a really horrible, depressing kind of way. And we also have to think is talk about the fact that four out of the five goals also came within a 35-minute period. <laughs> so the parallels between Schalke and Sheffield, I mean they even start with an SH. Come on, man. It's too poetic. It's too poetic here. Anyways, Schalke, fifth manager of the season, and it just is more the same crap, really. I mean, the team is just, ah, it is a disgrace the way they're acting. I mean, Mustafi scores the (laughs) dumbest own goal. Oh, my God. It's just depressing. I shouldn't laugh at people's misfortunes, but I'm really down. It's just so bad. Then to... To cap it all off, Wout Wichos scores his 16th goal in the Bundesliga season. He now has as many goals as Schalke do as a whole team this season. I mean... I should... <laughs> you shouldn't laugh. 
but it's i'm sorry i i can't this is so so sad oh no <laughs> is huntelar injured do you know what it, it is here's the thing he's even led the coup the guy <laughs> but yeah he's, he is still it He's that's all he's done. He's he's had a calf injury and he's led a coup against the manager, gotten a manager set, is sacked, and now he's still injured. That's all he's done. He canceled his contract with Ajax to literally sit on the sidelines and orchestrate a coup. I think that's wages well spent. <laughs> but what happened to you know what happened to American, you know, what happened to Captain America, Matthew Hopp? I thought he was gonna be the the savior of Schalke. I mean, they'll get relegated and someone will poach him away. Someone like, I don't know. Leipzig? Trade him um, for Alexander Sorlot. I mean, Bundesliga 2 is probably Sorlot's level, to be honest. Ooh. But I Ooh. think away from from the field, away from from the matches, I think Schalke is a grade A example of how not to run a football team. Oh, it it's arguably worse than any Premier League team that have just stuck a bunch of money at the or thrown a bunch of money at a club and then it's failed horribly. Like that team is just, you know, the club from top to bottom, from the CEO down to the groundsman, completely mismanaged. I mean, you said it yourself. The Sky Sports panned to a picture or to video footage of the Schalke team bus leaving the ground a couple of weeks ago from a match. And the bus driver isn't even wearing his mask. I mean, it's just it's symbolic of the way that club is run. And it is just an absolute shit show. So you you put some of the blame on the groundsman then. No, <laughs> or are you making a point that the entire making... club is cancerous and just yes. has to be removed? Yes. The okay. latter. Yes, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm blaming the groundsman for the fact that Shaker is shit. Nah. Not, not going that far. The poor groundsman is probably doing the best he can, but I'm pretty sure even he is pissed off because they probably have been skimping out on, you know, new grass, new lawnmowers and whatnot. I don't know. They have no money. This club has zero money. Like the parallels between Schalke getting relegated and Hamburg getting relegated about four years ago are insane because Hamburg is also a club that from top to bottom needed a complete restructuring. And, you know, said Hamburg club is still in the second Bundesliga at this point and have screwed up the, screwed up the promotion the last three years running. (laughs) And I could see Shaka doing the same. Honestly, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if they did like a, a Wolves the last time they went down. Yeah. Like a double relegation. Oof. You wouldn't wish it, but... Oh, my God, that's tight at the top in the Bundesliga 2. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, from top to well, arguably fourth, it's five points. Hamburg and Holstein Kiel are on 46 points. That's mad. Yeah, and Farfair Bochum is on 48, and that's, you know, one of those traditional clubs who have been in the Bundesliga 2 for years. I mean, arguably, the Bundesliga 2 is even tighter than the championship. 
I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not opening that that can of worms. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's for another little, day. We'll do a little voting if you guys also want us to produce something on the Bundesliga 2 and the championship. Maybe we'll add that into the mix. Uh, we'll leave that on a little story post for you guys. Anyways, should we move up to the top of the table where we had a nice little top four battle? Or should we stop off in the mid table where Gladbach have managed to lose again? Well, seeing as we're climbing up the table, we'll stop off in the middle. Jesus. I mean, Augsburg are nothing special. They really aren't. They <laughs> nor, just... nor a Gladbach at this point. <laughs> it's so bad, isn't it? It is so bad. But the thing is as well, Gladbach, you know, obviously the first half goes nil-nil. Nothing really happens in the first half. The second half, I mean, starts well. Augsburg, Nabba, Nabba Gold, and Gladbach equalize. But then to concede in the 76th and the 88th minute to just seal the deal. Oh, it's just terrible. I mean, really, Augsburg are 13th, man. I, I would like to um to backtrack and change my view I had a couple weeks ago. You're gonna have to remind me of that. Oh well that um Marco Rose, you know, had checked out and you know the players had had, had lost it as well. Yeah, like he'd lost the players and things like that. I still think he's mentally checked out, but I don't see the advantage of sacking him now and getting someone else in because the season is a nothing season now anyway. At this point, it's too far gone. But I think there's only so much Marco Rose can do short of lacing up his boots and finishing the chances that his players aren't. So I think to to lay the blame solely at his door is probably unfair. It's the easier of the options, but it's probably the most unfair. Yeah, I see what you mean. But the thing is, the, the blame will rest solely on him because of the fact that it was announced when it was. Because that is now the reason why the players have mentally checked out. If he's mentally checked out, you could still argue because he's probably thought, you know, I want to be professional. I don't want to do a disservice to the Gladbach fans. So I'm going to give it my all for the rest of the season. The problem with that is he can't make that same decision for all the players who are, you know, who are arguably pretty pissed off with their manager because he's ditching them right as you know, something is starting to build up or something was starting to build up. Because ever since that announcement went through about a month ago, Gladbach, for lack of a better word, have been crap. Yeah, I think it was uh, wasn't ideal to announce it. I mean, yeah, okay, have the speculation, and you know, when inevitably the questions come, just be like, "Look, I'm not going to talk about this. It's not my place to talk about being another team's manager. All the PR nonsense." Yeah, I'm sorry. There, so many managers have managed to do so. It's not that hard. It's not like you know you're going to have a manager. Or it's not impossible to string the media along for four months and then announce it at the end of the season or announce it two weeks before the end of the season. I don't care. But imagine announcing that at the middle of the season. 
That is just so dumb. And of course the players are going to check out because the players now are going to see, like, see him as having zero authority. What the hell is he supposed to be telling me? You would, you would like to think that they're professional enough not to do so. But at the end of the day, if he does something they don't like, they're going to just sit there and say, well, I know a new manager is coming anyway in three months. I really do, couldn't care less. He can go screw himself for all I care. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it's pretty easy to be paid and to train and sit on the bench for like two, three months. Because when the new manager comes in, it's clean slate for pretty much anyone. Exactly. So also for Gladbach's management to to make the decision to announce it. I mean, it's it remains to be seen if it was really Marco Rosa's decision to announce his signature with Dortmund. But you know, you'd have to, I'd say you'd, you'd have to lay the blame as much at Marco Rosa's feet as with the management. Because the management were the people who ultimately made the decision with Max Eber being the sporting director to make that announcement. So I think it's a very naive and very, very miscalculated plan to have even made the decision to say that, something like that. Because... I can't blame any of the Gladbach players for mentally checking out at this point because the results weren't before that announcement was made. The results were kind of at a tipping point. And that, that announcement just basically sealed it for Gladbach to basically tip into a downward spiral. And I would bet all my money that they are not making Champions League this year or even Europa League. I would say they'd be lucky to get any European football at all. Maybe more than lucky to get any European football. I mean, that tenth man. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's, there's not. They're about as, they're about as, as likely that they will get European football as Schalke do of staying up in the Bundesliga. That is how much of a chance they have. It is virtually zero. Honestly, it's such a brain dead decision to make. And there's only so long we can keep saying it and keep talking about it as a as an excuse, but I don't know. They've not announced a new manager yet, probably because they've seen this reaction and gone, oh, we don't want to announce. Say it's Jesse March at Salzburg. If they announce that and then he completely peters out and he's like, it's not great look for a new manager going into a club. <laughs> you know, Dortmund have these aspirations of being title challengers and they're getting a manager for a team who just finished 10th in the league. Oh, it is so, so dumb. And I mean, Idin Tezic must, must actually be making some, some, or must be having some serious thoughts to the point where he's probably thinking, they might actually ask me to stay on <laughs> if everything they go, goes well. <laughs> they go much further in the Champions League. It's like, hang on. We've got a perfectly reasonable manager right here. He's, he's already made. He's already got, he's already with the team. Shall we continue to climb? Yes. Where would you like to stop off first, sir? Let's stop off at that top four battle between Frankfurt and Leipzig. And I'm going to say that it did definitely live up to a top four clash in terms of actual battles taking up, taking place on the pitch. Because, Jesus, that was a physical match. I mean, Premier League, take notes at this point. Because there were tackles flying in left, right, and center. 
Stefan Ilzanka against his former club was making one unbelievable tackle after the other. I mean, he was stopping Emil Fosbeck at the edge, like literally dead center of the 16 uh, of the 18 yard box, like just right outside the box with a crunching tackle gets all ball. I mean, the guy literally, if he didn't get mad of the match, I mean, I hope he did. I'm not sure, but he deserved that title because he was everywhere. Also managed to rack up uh, the fastest clocked sprint speed of any player on that pitch as well. It's uh, it's starting to form a bit of a pattern here. And I don't know whether you'd be slightly worried, but um, I don't know whether he was injured or what, but Upamakano was taken off after 28 minutes. Injury. Uh, it was an injury. Okay, so it wasn't because he was absolutely terrible. <laughs> decisions t- speaking of decisions being announced too early <laughs> right i mean come on. i mean if he didn't have that release clause and you had and you paid like 85 90 million euros for him or something stupid like that i think you'd be sad oh, I'd, be, I'd be crying <laughs> you, you'd just be sitting there like oh no oh Oh, it's just it's the just biggest, gone horribly wrong <laughs> the biggest stress migraine going on in that boardroom oh Right now, I bet Zali Hamid is thinking, oh, what have I done? Well, that's the problem. I don't think he's thinking that because th- we're talking about a guy who seems to actively be trying to oust Hansi Flick as manager. I mean, the guy is, the, I'll, I've said it time and time again, the guy is the most brain dead sporting director I've ever seen in any Bundesliga club ever. And I want him gone. Get him out. I've said my piece. Now we can go back to the top four clash. Um, (laughs) We've used this phrase quite a fair bit on here, winning a draw. I think Frankfurt will definitely be the happier. Mm, You say that though, but Dortmund with their win over Hertha BSC, they climbed up or they secured uh, fifth place, and they're now two points behind Frankfurt. I'm pretty sure Frankfurt could have do- done with a win because then they would have only been two points behind Wolfsburg. Now they're four points behind Wolfsburg, and they're in danger of slipping out of Champions League spots. Yeah, I don't know. It's a big turnaround for Dortmund, actually. Oh, yeah. You know, a few weeks ago, definitely not going to get Champions League football, and now they're only two points off fourth. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure we stamped them off. We had completely written them off from Champions League football about two weeks ago on yeah, this well, podcast. It was about two, three weeks ago. I think we, we'd completely written them off. <laughs> what we're, we we're getting very good. Yeah, exactly. What do we know? We're getting very good at uh, putting our foots in, uh, put our, putting our overly large feet into our even bigger mouths. <laughs> I think it's perfectly summed up uh the formula one commentator murray walker passed away uh, this weekend and one of his famous murrayisms was i don't make mistakes i make prophecies that immediately turn out to be wrong yeah i think uh, i think that's very fitting for for our podcast tagline for this podcast although i'm <laughs> clinging to the max cruise transfer prophecy with both hands for dear life i was about to say that's basically the only credibility we have left that and if Jesse Marsh actually just does become Gladbach manager, then we actually will get some of our credibility back. 
I beg. <laughs> so but yeah, you said losing a draw, right? Leipzig now can't really take the title race to Bayern of their own accord. They definitely need some outside help because they're four points off of Bayern now, given we still have nine match days left. Yeah, there's that big game. Is it after the international break? Yeah, I think it's right after. It's beginning of April. So there's that big game, Leipzig against Bayern. Could potentially make it one point. No. Potentially. Two points. But I don't know. It's the same pattern that we spoke about at the start of the season, middle of the season, now. And we'll probably say it again at the end of the season. It's a buy-in title, one, because the rivals around them drop. Not points against teams they should be beating, but I think you probably would have backed Leipzig against Frankfurt. They definitely were the more active of the two teams as well. I mean, they have a lot more chances and Frankfurt's equalizer kind of came almost out of nowhere. It was one good round of attacking play. And then Luka Jovic even had the the chance to make it a 2-1 defeat for Leipzig. But I'd still argue Leipzig definitely had that game in their in their grasp more than Frankfurt did. But yeah, I mean, that, that, that also goes to show like you know, we said it as well a couple of weeks ago, Felix Magat said the only team that can really stand in the way of Bayern winning another Bundesliga title is Bayern themselves because the rest of the league just doesn't have the consistency. And again, it's really hard to argue with him. Yeah. The guy may have screwed up managing Fulham, but he does speak some truths. He's an awful manager for Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus but Christ! You know, we some talk men, about, yeah. Should we talk about the team that can ruin their own title charge? Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to talk about the team that can only ruin their own title charge, but we have to talk about one man, and he seems to be the lifeline for Bayern when all else fails. He wasn't in the match against Werder Bremen because they had that match pretty much you know, locked under lock and key for most of the 90 minutes, or let's say all up until the 88th minute when they conceded a stupid pointless goal. But Robert Lewandowski has now equalized second place with Klaus Fischer in the all-time Bundesliga goals tally. He's now at 268. Obviously, there's Gettmüller at 365, and, you know, we, we have both said if he has 100 more Bundesliga goals in him, at age 33, I'd say he gets close to it, but I don't think he's going to break that record. But one record he can still break is the magic number, the big 40 in one season. And he's now at 32 goals in 24 played matches. And he has nine match days to score nine goals. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> he's probably going to break that record. <laughs> Well, I think we said last season, I think the only reason he didn't is because he had that injury layoff in, yeah. in the middle. I think if he hadn't missed those games, he probably would have done. And you say that he might not have 100 more goals in him, but you think the way that medical staff are these days, you think the way the players conduct themselves and look after themselves, Especially him. I mean, he is another version of, you know, the Ronaldo's and the Ibrahimovic's of this world. 
Yeah, he could quite comfortably play yeah. till he's like 38, 40. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm I, at the risk of putting my overly large foot into my overly large mouth again. I'll relativize my uh, earlier statement and say, let's see if he does break that get middle record of all time Bundesliga goals at 365 because he is currently at 268. And if he is to break that record, he'd be at 277 at least, if not more. Okay, let's not get carried away. I think if he beats it, he'll probably beat it by the odd goal. He's not going to smash it out of the park. Fair enough. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Can we also appreciate the fact that he scored one goal but hit the woodwork an additional three times in that in that Bremen match? Imagine he looks back on that match and think, you know, he says, "Well, I could have easily scored a hat trick there." Imagine if he needs one goal at the end of the season. Exactly. That's exactly my point. You would absolutely rack your. You wouldn't. I wouldn't sleep. Oh, you would be sitting. You would just be lying there thinking. You know, if, with the with Simon and Garfunkel playing in the background. Hello, darkness, my own friend. <laughs> like I, would, just... I want to ask your opinion on something. Yeah. Because he doesn't get the the respect and the clout that he, you know, he quite clearly deserves. Why do you think that is? Because people talk about someone that I follow uses this phrase Bundesliga tax. So because he's playing in the Bundesliga, that's automatically worth like an extra 20 goals or something like that. But I would argue if he played in the Premier League, he would probably be top scorer as well. Yes, I'd, I'd argue the same. And do you know what? I think it's the same. Here's the thing. It's the same reason that Bayern don't get the... Like everyone talks about Barcelona being this unbelievable team from 2008 to 2012 you know they that they were that team that won six titles Bayern were the Bayern won six titles last season and they are not getting half the clout and half the respect that that Barcelona team is getting and this Barcelona team didn't play in the Premier League no no they played in the La Liga and they were arguably at that point in time dishing it out in La Liga left right and center and had the same grip on the on the league as Bayern do now, but it is that it is that not as highly marketed league because we all know that playing wise the Bundesliga is a bigger is a higher level than the La Liga not by much but it still is. But it is the fact that La Liga because of Real Madrid and Barcelona are just marketed so much better than the Bundesliga is. That is why the it's the same deal with the FIFA hype. Yes. The fee, it translates perfectly not just to players, but to teams. Because on FIFA, no one's taking Bayern because they're a good team, but they don't have OP players you can basically completely use and just win you games. Like You can use Salah and Mane on, Liverpool, on FIFA and you're going to win every game with Liverpool. You can use Mbappe and, you're gonna, and Neymar and you're going to win every game with PSG. You can use Ronaldo, you win every game with Juve. You use Messi, you win every game with Barca. But Bayern have this team, and that's why they win titles, because they have an actual team. But on FIFA, having an actual team does not help you unless you are, you know, top-level freaking FIFA player. And that is why not as many people care about Bayern, because they are not a FIFA hype team. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
well, there we go. I think that's probably a good place to end before the big vein in your head pops. <laughs> yeah, okay, but but come on, tell me. I, I do agree with you. Okay, I was just making sure. I was like, if you if there's a rebuttal coming, I'd love to hear it because I'd love to hear another opinion on this. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I think those people that do have that opinion are people that don't watch a lot of football, or they if they yeah. do, they only watch Premier League. Select, football. yeah, selective games. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We will be back, obviously, with another European edition this week. But before that, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and check out the daily content we post on there. Or make sure to check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our RSS feed. Have a look at our older episodes if you want to have a laugh. And we are ever so grateful for all the listens. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.